0: Hello and welcome to One Digital's COVID 19 Employer Advisory Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to provide business leaders with the latest commentary on evolving business and economic news that impacts healthcare, business, and the workplace. In each episode, our One Digital advisors will be addressing evolving coronavirus situations, translating them for employers so they can be proactive for their organizations and develop their business planning strategies.
1: Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's COVID-19 employer advisory session. We have a really, hopefully, uplifting and exciting and positive version of one of these um, sessions because we've got so much new and exciting uh, relief that's coming through the stimulus bill. So I want to thank you for joining us. We know these are these are stressful times for everybody, and I just want everyone to know how much relief in your time and energy with us. All 2,000 plus of the employees of One Digital really value our customers, and we understand and appreciate how difficult this is for everybody. We have really made a commitment organizationally to make your success in surviving and thriving in this period, as we come out of the the uh, crisis, our top priority. My name is Bill Carew, and I'm, the, and I'm the Chief Operating Officer. I'm I'm proud to host today's session. I have three distinguished panelists with me. I have Julie Cape, who is our Executive Vice President of Client Services, really over our entire small group business, which we defined largely as under 50 employees. We have a lot of customers in the under 15 employees. And some of Julie's teams cover up to about 100 employees in certain circumstances. So (laughs) thank you for joining us, Julie. Uh, we have Pete Grumberg, who is our executive vice president and runs two of our largest regions in the country, the Northeast and the Southeast, as well as being our lead representative with a lot of our industry associations, in particular, uh, our industry lobbying groups, the Council for Insurance Brokers and Consultants. And um, as well as other active industry groups. So thank you, Pete, for for joining. And finally, from the West Coast, we have Chris Turin, who is our regional managing principal for the West region. And among other things, Chris is a former entrepreneur in that his uh, business was acquired by One Digital a few years ago. So if we think about some of the other economic crises that we've been through over the Past 20 years or so, Chris has walked in the shoes of many of you who are on the call with us today uh, as somebody who has tried to navigate those, those troubled waters. So, thank you, Chris, and we look forward to you sharing your expertise with us. So, um, just a quick uh, overview for what our format is today. I'm going to take a few minutes to summarize some of the key provisions of the recent stimulus bill, in particular. The, the loan program, which is called the Paycheck Protection Program. That's really the most, um, I think for employers here, under 500 employees, the most uh, exciting potentially beneficial part of the act. And then also talking specifically about the forgiveness, the loan forgiveness aspect of of the uh, PPP, as it's called, because we have the ability in many situations, employers will have the ability to take these loans and turn them into forgivable loans, essentially grants. So we'll talk a fair amount of time talking about that we'll get into an interactive discussion with our panel. So that's our agenda for the for the day. I would just ask that everyone be a little bit patient with us. This this is a uh 3 days old in essence um uh law that we've got on our hands and there's a lot of areas that aren't quite crystal clear the way that the the bill was written. So we're going to navigate some of those. I think we'll give you um the gist of the main items and um with some high degree of confidence, but there's a lot of complicated layers to this that we just have to be careful about because we can't get into very, very specific questions about my situation uh, right out of the gates. On Thursday, we will start to do that. So I just beg your uh, patience with that as we jump in. Obviously, this was a $2 trillion package. It was passed into law last week and signed on Friday by the president. There's really four main areas that we look at. There's gonna be individual stimulus payments to, um, to individuals and there's gonna be a relief around retirement plan. So easier for for employees and members to access their retirement savings if they need to. This forgivable loan provision, as I said, is gonna be a huge opportunity and then there's a host of other, other loan programs and tax credits and deferrals and all sorts of uh, relief for specific areas of the economy that are hit particularly hard. But um, the, the biggest part of our, uh, our session today is going to be focused on the Paycheck Protection Program. It's $350 billion of SBA loans and it can be up to 100% forgivable if you manage your workforce in certain ways in the eight week period immediately after you receive the loan. We'll get into some of those details in a moment. So, back to the individual stimulus payments, it's $1,200 per person, $2,400 if you're married, filing jointly, plus another $500 for each child under the age of 17. They do phase out at higher incomes. Once you get over $99,000 if you're single and $198,000 when you're married, they do go away. You're not eligible for those payments. Um, but so anybody under $75,000 is going to get that full um, $1,200 single. And if it's under $150,000 as a family, you'll get that full $2,400 plus $500 per child. On the retirement plan side, there's a waiver of the 10% penalty for early withdrawal for IRAs and 401ks up to $100,000. And there's some easier, more relaxed borrowing um, provisions. In other words, you don't have to pay back uh, loans that you've taken right away. Some plans will not have to fund Their plans um, define certain defined benefit and defined contribution plans won't have to fund uh, right away. And uh, some of the required distribution requirements have been relaxed. And so um, we'll learn more about those uh, in future sessions as well. So let's let's really let's really focus on this paycheck protection program. Right. This is the thing that we've all been hearing about. And and quite honestly, we've looked at this from just about every way across our customers. And anybody who's under 500 employees that fits one of the eligible classes, this is really, really compelling option. It's a really powerful program that we think is going to be unbelievably popular. We are getting a bit concerned that that $350 billion is is, uh, not going to be enough. There's going to be a lot of people that are looking at this and it would surprise us if we don't oversubscribe that allotment um, uh, relatively quickly. So one of the calls to action that we have for this session today is to invite everybody to make sure that you're reaching out to your banking contacts if you have them just work through your normal banking channels first and also to pursue some local sba lenders you know pretty much every community across the country has a local bank and many of those specialize in sba loans make those contacts right away that's the most immediate call to action that you'll get after today's session Here's why. The program is set up so that it's um, it, they're privately issued through SBA lenders, so taking advantage of the whole SBA network. They're 100% guaranteed by the U.S. government. They're generally available to companies under 500 employees. If you're larger in the hospitality or leisure or dining, you can get above that 500 limit. One thing, one industry, I'm sorry, one classification that um, it does not look like they're going to be eligible are uh, credit unions. So federally and state chartered credit unions are 501c businesses, but they're not 501c3 businesses. So the most nonprofits will be eligible. Those are a couple of exceptions. For those of you that are friends in the, in the credit unions, um, if we're reading that right, that's going to be a limitation that will hopefully address be addressed in future um, in future packages. The maximum amount of a loan that's available is two and a half times your average payroll in 2019, but that payroll is capped at $100,000 per employee. So it's your it's it's two and a half times your average monthly payroll adjusted down as if nobody was paid more than one hundred thousand dollars annually. And the maximum there is ten million dollars. There are no personal guarantees or there's no other owner recourse on these loans unless they're misused, in which case we're talking about a fraud situation. So it's really uh, uh, compelling from that reason as well. Application process, but there is a uh, simplified application attestation. This is really the essence of what the application is going to include, and that you're attesting to the fact that due to these economic conditions, it's really necessary to get these loans, and that you're going to now acknowledge that they are going to be used to retain and pay workers, keep your payroll as, high as possible, in essence, to keep as many people employed. We can also use them for mortgage payments, lease payments, and utility payments. Those are the only fixed type of expenses that'll be allowed. So that attestation is the centerpiece of this application. So, um, after this um, period of eight weeks is over, there is an application process to have these loans forgiven. But if they're not forgiven, then any amounts that are that are uh, that are not forgiven will be subject to a maximum. Of 4% interest a year up to 10 year repayment period. And that can be deferred from six to 12 months, depending on your situation. So, very favorable terms uh, if they do turn into regular loans. We're going to get some specific operational guidance from the SBA within 30 days. The bankers that I've been talking to and some of my uh, our customers out there who are actively pursuing this are told that we're probably going to start getting applications available at these banks towards the end of the week. Now, I haven't heard of any being available quite yet, uh, but we're monitoring that fairly closely. We would expect by the end of this week that we'll start to have that application information available. So let's talk about the, uh, the loan forgiveness program. And so this is where the uh, I guess the call to action here is to really just understand what this criteria is. We're going to caution you from worrying too too much about it right now because the period that you're going to be really focused on is the eight weeks after the loan is received. And there's a lot of things that need to occur between now and then. But just be under just just take a, the time to understand what this criteria is, and then at a, at a point in time in the next couple of weeks, there'll be some opportunity to really spend a little bit more time on how you might want to operationalize your business a little bit differently to maximize the opportunity for forgiveness. So that's the call to action is just really around awareness. So some or all these proceeds may be forgiven. And the key period is the eight weeks after you get the loan. So let's assume your loan, your loan closes on May 1st. Uh, there is some confusion as to whether it's the loan close date or when the loan paperwork originates, but let's just use the date that the loan is 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 uh, granted as May 1st. The period of May and June are the eight weeks that you pay very close attention to. So you have to use the expense, you have to use the proceeds for payroll and benefits. So anything sort of those payroll related expenses, including benefits and insurance, you can use it for your mortgage or your rent. Or for your utilities, those are the only uses that the loan proceeds can be used for. If you have employees who receive tip income, you can adjust your payroll accordingly and add that tip income in as a as a a salary uh, to your employees if it's uh, appropriate. When uh, the loan at the end of the loan period, you have to provide documentation of these eligible expenses to the lender and sign a certain attestation. And then that lender has 60 days to determine whether or not your loan was forgivable or not. Remember that the the loan won't be doable for another six months, uh, until at least six months after origination. So within that window, you'll find out exactly how much is forgivable and how much ends up being a true loan. If you have amounts that are not forgiven, then it is subject to that 4% interest rate up to a maximum of 10 years. And there's no, um, uh, taxes subject to those for- forgivable amounts. They're in, se- they're in essence grants from the government for you to cover payroll. <laughs> so, a couple more things on the on the forgiveness program. That key measure is the eight weeks as I said, after the loan is given. In my example that I gave a little earlier, loan is given on May 1st and the months of May and June become the critical time periods where you're looking at the, uh, criteria for forgiveness. <laughs> One of the key elements here is what is your headcount during that eight-week period? So the average of all those headcounts in those eight weeks payroll gets compared to a baseline, and you have a choice of two different periods to look at. The period that was February 15, what was the average headcount on payroll for that period, or the first two months of this year, January and February of 2020 now there are some adjustments if you have seasonal workforce and things like that but that's the baseline so if you maintain a payroll level in the months of may and june in my example that is comparable to or higher than what it was in either of those two periods you're going to pick the lowest one as your baseline if your if your average payroll in the 8 weeks after the loan is originated then you will be eligible for 100% forgiveness of that loan. That's the critical test. If you end up being 80% of what the average was, then your loan would be 80% forgivable. Okay, so one of the things for homework that you're going to want to do is understand what was my average pay overall in these two time periods, February 15th, 2019 through June 30th, 2019, and January and February of 2020. Understand what those averages are because the lower of those two will become your baseline that you're gonna compare um, during the eight week period. Um, For uh, just a couple of technicalities here, if you've had a, uh, if you put through a salary reduction of 25% or more, that in essence is considered the same as a terminated employee. And so that would reduce the forgiveness percentage. One of the most common questions that we've been hearing, and we'll explore this in a little bit in the the discussion point, is what happens if I've already terminated or furloughed an employee? How is that gonna impact my calculation? So one of the most important things here is that those people can be reinstated before June 30th and have a favorable impact on that forgiveness ratio. We'll explore that in, in a little while. So for documentation that you need to provide to the lender, you have to, you have to give all the paperwork that justifies these qualified expenses. In other words, you have to substantiate it with documentation. And um, and that's how the, the assessment is made by the lender. Again, the bank or the, um, the SBA provider who has given you the money will be determining whether or not it's forgivable and to what percentage. All the programs that we've talked about so far are for employers less than 500 employees, and that will be honestly where most of our conversation is today. But I wanted to make this um, this information available because there are employers who are with us today that are over 500 employees, and there is relief available. And the conditions are: if it's a business that's domiciled in the U.S. and you have major operations here, and the bulk of your employees are here, you're going to be eligible for this. That includes nonprofit or for-profit entities, but designed for businesses, organizations that have been suffering economic distress related to the COVID-19 crisis. So there's an attestation there that says the the challenges that we're facing are due to the crisis. These are direct lending from private banks at a 2% interest rate. So that's a 2% interest rate, less than the SBA loan. No payments for six months. When we take these loans, you're making a commitment to restore 90% of your workforce as what it was on February 1st of this year, within four months of the end of that declaration of emergency. So when the national... Uh, state of emergency was declared. When that term when that, that declaration terminates, within four months, you're making a commitment to restore your head your uh, workforce to ninety percent of what it was on February first of this year. And then you're also uh, making an intention. I'm not sure exactly how the paperwork will read on this, but the intention would be to maintain ninety percent of that pre-crisis workforce. At comp and benefits through the end of September of this year. Now, who knows when this, uh, the declaration of emergency is going to end. I think some of these time periods are probably going to be overlapping. But the point is here that there, there is relief for uh, larger employers as part of uh, of this program as well. There are, for, for uh, organizations that do take this these loans there are restrictions on things like executive comp offshoring honoring union contracts and a few other provisions so this is that's the high level sketch of the um the mid-sized business loans and and loan guarantees so i've been a lot of talking and it's time for me to take a break so let's let's segue over to our panelists if we if we can and you know, just a reminder, this is a stimulus package, and, and, the, and the main reason that the government was so anxious was not just to, to provide relief to workers who are suffering, and business who are suffering, but it's to inject life into the economy. So, Pete, let's start with you and, and all the work that you've been doing on the national level. What's sort of your assessment so far on how well this, uh, this law is going to be accomplishing those, those results? <laughs>
2: Thanks, Bill, and hello, everyone. Um, just before I jump into um, a little more specifics about the CARES Act and and your question, Bill, it's just as I think we're all um, adjusting to this um, uh, crisis. That uh, since our financial last financial crisis in two thousand eight and two thousand nine, this is very different um, in many ways from that, and. Um, I guess first and foremost, this is really about a healthcare crisis. Um, We're testing our societal norms and really our overall healthcare infrastructure is being tested to its limits like never before. It's uh, certainly gut-wrenching watching a lot that's uh, happening in in a lot of our our, um, homes and communities around the country. Um, So uh, really specific to the cares Act um, so this was uh, by far uh, the biggest and boldest stimulus package um, ever and so with a um, few goals as I see it um, in terms of how it's going to impact um, employers and individuals so this is really as I see it a bridge that will quickly provide individuals and employers um, and our most distressed industries with a cash injection. Um, that That's clearly what Congress and the White House had in mind to make sure that there was a cash injection and that we're going to be um, jumpstarting the economy uh, on the back end of the crisis. That's certainly what uh, they hope will be an outcome of this. And Really uh, the economic intent of it you know making sure that we're keeping employees and on payroll and working and on benefits that's really a, a big theme coming out of this legislation and and uh, ultimately getting businesses the cash flow they need to survive so for say a big big part of um, making helping you hopefully manage your cash flow uh, or supplement your cash flow so really. Um, I'd say ultimately the goal for um, you know what what uh, Congress is hoping will happen and the president's hoping is that we're going to um, consumers are going to start spending again when they, they get this money into their hands so we can just start to um, uh, start to activate the economy again. That's that's a, uh, that's the last uh, point here, Bill. Back to you.
1: Thank you, yeah, I mean, I think you know the 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 health crisis aspect of it. Those of us that are in the health insurance business and have been here our whole life, obviously, we've never seen anything like this. And so, I think the private health care system and the role that the employer plays, as we look at this, I think, is an important reason why they're they're looking at payrolls and employment. As a way of also protecting the insured population, like keeping as many people on insurance coverage as well. So, Julie, you're, you and your teams are dealing with thousands of, of customers across the country. And even before this bill came down the pike, what were some of the, the major themes that you were hearing and seeing? What were, Hopefully really, on the front burner issues for um, for our clients as they were uh, going through this initial stages of the crisis. Yes,
3: yeah, thanks, Bill. So for many clients, their businesses came to a a standstill, virtually a standstill overnight, and especially customers who see a lot of foot traffic or rely on in purchase in person purchasing, not just retail and hospitality and tourism and dining but also doctors' offices and gyms and dentists and physical therapy, salons, auto dealers. I mean, huge sectors of the economy that have had to move very quickly to cut expenses and focus on immediate and short-term cash flow. Others uh, may be operational, but have still experienced quite a bit of shock and change to their business. So um, they've all been anxiously awaiting this stimulus package. And while they've tried to stay the course these last couple of weeks. So while there are many straightforward components to this bill, there are also a number of questions that you know we hope to share to make sure that our customers are thinking about as they decide their um, next course of action.
1: So, Julie, a couple of things they sort of raise here. Um, that, that are that are kind of surprising, you, you know, when you think about foot traffic, you don't always think about doctor's offices and dentists and, and establishments like that. And for those larger employers out there that maybe you're self-insured or you have an experience-rated program, one of the real interesting things that is going to come out of this is that all elective procedures are, have pretty much gone by the wayside, right? For at least two or three weeks so far now, there's nothing going on in, um, in medical facilities that isn't urgent in nature. And most of that is, is related to concerns around, around this crisis. So, on the one hand, we're going to see a spike in healthcare costs because of the hospitalizations and, and everything related to, uh, to the coronavirus. But we're going to see a drastic reduction in voluntary or, I'm sorry, elective type of procedures. We'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but that's kind of a really interesting byproduct. Um, let's let's segue over to Chris, if you wouldn't mind, Chris. So so Julie's talking about the challenges that these businesses got hit with right out of the gates. And then last Friday, this was signed into law, right? So the stimulus package was signed in, into law. So if I'm a business owner or I'm an executive in a, in a business that's looking at this, you know, how do I how do I analyze this? If I get 10 employees or 40 employees or 400 employees, how do I assess whether or not this is a good program for me? What? How do you think about that? Well, thank you, Bill.
4: I think <clears throat> let's start with who benefits. Uh, and I think that there are really very few employers with uh, less than 500 employees who won't benefit from the uh, Paycheck Protection Program. Uh, and of course, uh, not forgetting the uh, exclusion for hospital and hospitality and dining where that's a uh, uh, down at you know five hundred uh, per uh, employees per location. Um, uh, also, I think uh, any employer uh, who has already been or will be adversely impacted uh, by the crisis is going to benefit. Um, I'm looking at this, uh, as you mentioned, through a lens of a former uh, agency owner. And I'm thinking, so what would I do uh, in this uh, situation? And I'd be far more concerned about uh, processing my application as fast as possible before the $350 billion runs out. I feel like there's, uh, there's going to be a run on, that, on those funds, uh, and that would be my priority. Now, I would concurrently analyze uh, both the utility of the Paycheck Protection Program uh, to my business. Uh, and the, as well as the logistics of navigating the loan uh, forgiveness requirements. But I wouldn't necessarily prioritize that before applying uh, for the program. I think I would do those two things concurrently, so I'm in line and ready uh, to access funds. And I think, ultimately, this is going to be a real game changer for many businesses, a lifeline uh, to both them uh, and their employees, uh, helping them weather what we believe uh, is a temporal crisis.
1: So, so Chris, you were a former business owner, and, and you know I'm just trying to imagine what it was like I was I was a, a business owner when we went, went through the 07 08 crisis, and I can remember those days. And we had um, we had furloughs. I don't know if we had specific layoffs because it was sort of an extended period. But there was there was government help, government support. So we tried to activate, um, you know, as many uh, take advantage of many of the programs that came on the pike. You know, extended, you know, the higher unemployment and those sort of things, wherever necessary. So um, I, I'm just thinking, if I'm a business owner in this period of time, and I'm thinking about heading into um, capitalizing on these programs and, and running my business, starting to position my business a little bit differently, where do I start? So where, I'll open this up to the to the three of you. Where do you um, Where where do you, where do you, where would I start? Pete, maybe you can kind of kick things off.
2: Yeah, sure. Bill. Um, You know, I think as um, April one is tomorrow and many, many of you are are, uh, facing um, a lot of payments that are coming due. You've, you've made decisions about your business maybe two weeks ago and now This lifeline, as Chris referenced, is starting to come into some more clarity as the details become apparent and you start making decisions that, quite frankly, you know, hopefully this is going to bring some you know, real hope and promise and and needed cash flow into uh, your businesses if you take advantage of the loan. But I I think just a a couple points from from my end is um, just really staying focused on your overall business survival. Um, uh, Certainly thinking about where you are at this point, decisions that you've made, decisions that you're going to modify as you contemplate your your next steps here. Um, Certainly managing... um, remaining cash flow that you have to make important decisions about your people, about, um, the viability of your business. Um, you know, certainly model out. These are things we're doing with our company, you know, looking at uh, across the the business at, um, different financial scenarios for our business based on things that might come down the pike. And, um, you know, I, I think just one of the last points to keep in mind with this is, you know, when you apply for the loan, and uh, hopefully between you know that loan allowing you to, to figure out maybe how to reimagine your business while you're potentially closed um, right now and and you want to figure out how you emerge on the other side to be able to compete and grow in a kind of maybe a little bit of a newer economy that we'll be in. Um, but just to be mindful that you're you're probably gonna it's going to be about two to four weeks until any of these funds actually uh, land in your hands. Um, so hopefully it'll be you know the former not the latter and um, but but just to be mindful of that is you're, you're starting to um, plan for your your business and making your decisions
1: I, I think Pete, I, I don't know that we can emphasize that point enough you know I this 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 was signed into law on Friday and we pretty much knew what was going to happen by midweek when the, the Senate had, uh, had had passed the bill so I spent uh, a number of hours over the past few Few days with um, in other other business leaders. I'm part of a couple different business groups, and and I was talking to them as much as I could about this and understanding how they were looking at it. And they were immediately gravitating towards the benefit that this would have for their business, but they kept pulling back, saying, "Okay, I still need to understand how my business is going to perform over the next week, two weeks, a month, two months." And how is it going to emerge out of this crisis when we get there? So the, the, they kept reminding me, I think, of just focusing on the key operational aspects of your business. Forget about this loan program for a second. We have to conserve cash. We have to really preserve our liquidity. We have to make sure that our customers are being taken care of. We have to make sure that our employees are being taken care of. We have to look at our back orders. A couple of folks that I was talking about where they feel very comfortable if they've got enough work coming in for the next two to four to six weeks, they're very concerned what's going to happen after that. And so they're preparing their strat, their business strategies to meet that challenge while this stimulus package gets approved. So I think it's very important to focus first on that performance of the business and not get too caught up quite yet in terms of running the business differently when the loan proceeds hit. But that is going to be something, there will be an appropriate time to do that. So I think that's a great starting point, Pete. Um, so, uh Julie or Chris, you want to share any thoughts along those lines in terms of what um, what do you think employers should start to be thinking about doing differently, other than uh, kind of the basics that Pete shared?
3: I was just going to say, outside of what Chris was mentioning in terms of post this phone call, getting on the you know getting on the phone with the bank and starting the process on the materials and and getting in line. Um, you do have t- you have some time, like Bill was mentioning, to figure out some of the answers and the details. We definitely are, are here for you on the health plan side of things to start looking at creative options to manage costs. So please think of us as a way to help manage those costs in terms of employer and employee contributions, um, looking at plans, um, really just ways that we think that we can we can help with some solutions to help on the cost cost side, so that you can focus on managing your business, and then post loan, ultimately all of those areas um, to to move towards the maximum loan forgiveness.
1: Huge, thank you, I just, uh, Julie. I think that's a great point. Chris, just one second. For if I, if I could, just you know, we have teams of people. We're in the benefits consulting business, and sometimes we think that's like the only thing that anybody ever worries about is health insurance. <laughs> um, but you know, this is this, this is a this is a huge cost item for everybody who's who's on this call. I think, um, and so when Deep's talking about managing your business as aggressively as possible to survive this crisis, we have to be looking at the cost of healthcare, and there are there are strategies to pull out substantial chunk of cost on relatively short notice uh, if that's what the business called for. It's some things as, as, as quick as, you know, do we need to reduce or cease our, our 401k contributions, right? Do we need to have certain ancillary benefits that we provided that we no longer uh, afford to provide and we just cut those automatically? Now, there are compliance requirements about how we communicate that and how we have to perform according to plan documents, but I think our teams here Um, are have gotten oriented to really working very quickly about this we created a a special task force we called it project sos which is for those employers that felt like they needed to turn on a dime and and shave costs and cut costs really rapidly on their benefit plans because there are a lot of techniques there and that's part of i think what pete's initial conversation was too about running the business as effectively as possible sorry chris why don't you jump in
4: Oh, yeah. Thank you, Bill. I, you know, I just, you know, really want to reiterate businesses have been sitting around wondering what's in this package. Uh, and now that we know, I think we 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 understand that ultimately the program is designed to help uh, business emerge from the crisis stronger and with fuller uh, employment. And to Pete's point, we absolutely need to focus on managing the business to the best of our ability today, especially within the constraints of any cash flow or revenue issues that we're facing. But please, you know, to understand that the benefits of this program are unprecedented. We should be thinking about how we can invest those proceeds and maximize the ROI in our businesses. I mean, essentially the government is providing us with uh, two and a half times uh, your average monthly pre-crisis uh, payroll as an injection of capital into your business, uh, and and with with proper planning and under reasonable, what I consider reasonable requirements, the loan ultimately should be uh, forgiveness. Uh, you know, and just to reiterate uh, to Bill's earlier point, the loan forgiveness won't be considered taxable income. There's no personal guarantee. I, and the amounts uh, um, uh, that aren't forgiven uh, are converted to a 10-year loan at 4% interest, very favorable uh, uh, terms. But again, I think the ultimate objective should be to maximize forgiveness and with proper planning, I just don't see any reason why businesses won't be able to achieve 100% loan uh, forgiveness. So we'll get into a little bit later some of the uh, qualified expenses again uh, uh, under this loan program, including uh, keeping health insurance active. Uh, for employees uh, because this is truly uh, certainly a healthcare crisis.
1: So, so Chris, let's, let, let's tackle that right now because I, I think it might be a good time to just, to just slow down and, and kind of just restate some of the things that we've been talking about this program just so everybody can make sure that they're oriented accordingly. So, so you have the ability to apply for a loan. And that loan, the maximum loan you can get is two and a half times what your average monthly payroll was last year in 2019. So two and a half months worth of payroll. It just gets capped. So so anybody who makes over one hundred thousand dollars, that does not get included in the calculation. But just consider it two and a half months worth of salary is what you can get as a loan. With no guarantees no no personal guarantees required, no recourse for the owners, if your business ultimately fails, the government is taking the responsibility for that loan so it's a no risk loan from that standpoint. You just have to make sure that you use it as it's intended. so how is it intended used it's two and a half months worth of of payroll i'm two two and a half months worth of last year's average monthly payroll, and it's going to be looking at a two month period so Two months of that should be allocated to benefits and healthcare related expenses for those employees, right? It's just simple, logical, leaving you an extra half a month worth of capital at your disposal to cover certain fixed costs like rents, leases, utilities, and, and insurances are included in there that are related to um, the workforce as well. So it really is matching last year's expenses to a two-month window in uh, in 2020 during this crisis, so that's the intent of all this, right? So it's just kind of a logical conversation. But so, as we're looking at this, um, Chris, is, is there are there any scenarios where you don't see this making sense for an employer who who really is not a candidate for this if they're eligible? Well, I'm going to say, first of all, I, I don't uh, see a path towards eligibility,
4: um, although there could be. I just don't see a path towards eligibility for employers who are economic beneficiaries of the crisis. So if your business is growing as a result of the crisis, that may uh, um, make it difficult to you uh, for you to uh, uh, sign the attestation that somehow your business is adversely impacted. Uh, this also won't likely save a business who's already decided to close due to extreme liquidity uh, issues. To your point earlier, Bill, um, you know it's going to be at least until the end of the week that uh, the SBA is prepared to process applications and underwrite those applications. And and by underwrite, uh, you know it's a very streamlined process, right? Simply the attestation and the uh, the request for the amount of the loan, uh, primarily. Um, but there's going to be at least another couple of weeks before those checks are delivered. So that that presents a three, a probably closer to four week uh, delay before those funds are in the hands of the most needy businesses. So if your business is already suffering extreme liquidity uh, issues, it, it may uh, uh, not be uh, you know helpful uh, for those businesses as well.
1: That's a that, that's a real that's a real tough one in, 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 in the way I'm sort of thinking about this in the easiest, most simplest format. If I take the loan and I pass it through 100 percent to my employees and they stay at home. Right. Say I'm let's say I'm the type of operation that my, my folks can't even go to work. So I'm paying for them to stay home. It's essentially a stimulus pass through where you are allowing them to uh, receive their full benefits and full payroll and stay at home. And it truly is, as Pete mentioned early on, really what the economic intent of this loan was, right? was to put that money into the economy. So keep putting it into, into employees' hands for an extra two months and then allow them to go out when the economy opens up to start spending it so that we can get the the economy restarted that's that's almost i kind of look at that as almost a worst case scenario where folks aren't able to work we're passing it through to the benefit of of those employees um, okay so let's before we before we um, start getting ready to take in some of the some of the questions that have come in well let me, let me just address one that i know has come in already there was a a, a lot of questions about um, uh, the nonprofits, when we're talking about businesses, we're talking about most nonprofits too. If you're a 501c3, you're absolutely included in this. So just, just a point of clarification there. And when it comes time to finding these applications, how do I apply for a loan? The best thing to do, first of all, is go to your the, the normal banker that your business uses to operate through. And the reason why that's important is there's gonna be a lot of competition for this loan. And if you're a valued customer of a bank, you want them fighting on your behalf. Okay. So that's the, that's the first place to start. Hopefully they're an SBA provider. Not all banks are SBA approved lenders. Most of the big ones are. So I would start there, but I would immediately have a backup too. every community in America has a bank that's an SBA approved uh, lender. I would just, search my local community find out who that community bank is and have them as backup plan or maybe go the opposite way if, if you because if, I think you may get a better response from some of these smaller banks we've been hearing that these larger banks have to go out and hire thousands and thousands of people to process this because they're expecting such a flood sometimes these local community banks can be a great place to uh to start with so that's where you'll find the uh the applications um uh for the sba loans okay so back to our uh, questions here. Let's see. Um, how about this one? We we, we hear a lot of uh, a question that we hear a lot is um, uh, about layoffs and furloughs and salary cuts. Should I or shouldn't I? There's a lot of different ways to look at this. Anybody? Um, why, why don't we Why don't we start with Julie or or, or Pete? Julie? Any comment on that in terms of um, what your thoughts are? <laughs>
3: Well, we do hear quite a bit that I've, you know, we and we've seen a number of our clients that have already put employees on furlough. And so I know, you know, big question has been, okay, if I've already furloughed employees, am I eligible for this um, this loan? And the answer is a resounding yes. I mean, you can always bring back. Furloughed employees or laid off employees, but when it comes to this loan, the timing is what's very important here. So, if you've laid off employees or if you um, or furlough employees between the 215 and 426, so between the dates of February 15th and April 26th, and as long as you res- restore them to full employees by June 30th, that will. Connect to your maximum loan forgiveness for this program. So you can absolutely bring them back and um, whether you furloughed or laid off employees or still may need to furlough some employees within this next month, as long as you bring them back by that June 30th date, that will apply towards your ability to, to get the maximum loan forgiveness.
1: So, so let's 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 take a moment on this and I know Chris you have some thoughts on this as well but but let me just let me just make sure I sort of restate what you're saying Julie. So in order to qualify for forgiveness the most important period where we're looking at is the 8 weeks after the loan. So the example I gave earlier this is in May and June. And so we're comparing that to one of the baseline windows that I talked about and the goal is to try to be at or above what those employment levels were. If we are there, then we're eligible for for full forgiveness. If we're below there, well, it'll be a percentage of forgiveness. So, if I've already terminated or laid off employees in the time period from February fifteenth through April twenty sixth, so April. Tw- 26 is a key date because it's 30 days after the law was signed and that's how it was stipulated in the law. So if I laid off or, 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 um, or furloughed somebody after February 15th, but before April 26th, I want to rehire them. All I have to do is rehire them before June 30th and they count as positive in my calculations for forgiveness. Am I reading that right, Chris? Uh, yeah, I, uh, um, I think
4: that um, ultimately um, you know just a kind of at the risk of oversimplifying it uh, that there's really four things that you need to do uh, and and so what you said is is accurate, but I think it is a easier uh, way to maybe look at it, and that is that. As long as you, you 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 spend the money on the four qualified buckets, right? So you spend the loan proceeds on the eight week following loan origination on the four qualified buckets. So payroll costs, group health insurance, rent or mortgage and utilities, and and you rehire formerly furloughed or laid off employees prior to June 30th to attain that pre-crisis level of employment that you mentioned. Uh, you restore pay, pay reductions by June 30th. Uh, and there's no additional layoffs between April 26th and June 30th, then yeah, you're going to be eligible for 100% loan uh, forgiveness. Um, If, However, two things to think about is if you do lay off uh, employees or furlough employees between April 26th and 630, uh, you won't have the ability to restore them uh, to gain that 100% loan forgiveness. But if you laid off, say, 20% or furloughed 20% in that April 26th to June 30th, then 20% of the loan would no longer be eligible for uh, a forgiveness. Um, and also if, it, let's say that you furloughed, you may be thinking, well, I furloughed or laid off you know, 80% of my workforce prior to uh, April 26th. What if I just re- restore all of those people uh, to employment uh, by June 30th, and I'm eligible for the loan forgiveness? The answer is no, because you likely would not have enough qualified expense. In that eight-week period of time. The money, remember, has to be spent in those four buckets, payroll being the biggest uh, bucket. So that's the kind of analysis that employers are going to have to do uh, to uh, you know, maximize return on investment. And remember, at the end of the day, the intent of this program uh, is to return employees to work uh, and help employers emerge from this uh, crisis, uh, you know, uh, better able to come out of this uh, recession.
2: Hey, Bill. Um, yes, Pete. Do you think, uh, I think it would be helpful, whether we do it right now or, or um, and just a few, to uh, just give a quick overview for the audience of the difference between a, a layoff or a furlough.
1: So, Yeah, why don't, you, why don't you tackle that right now? That's one of the most common questions that we get. So yeah. Why don't you tackle that right now?
2: Sure. So this is somewhat uh, overly simplistic, but I um, really, for many of you, you know, we've got this window here before you can apply for the loan, before you get your funding and you're going to be faced with making a decision if you haven't already about what to do with your workforce and whether you're a small company, big company. And, you know, on, on one extreme, we all, we all saw on the news yesterday where Macy's um, furloughed 130,000 employees and are keeping them on benefits till May 31st. So staggering, you know, it's just amazing, you know, to start hearing of those kind of numbers, whether it's that big or if it's your own Main Street business, um, you know, em- employers are, are really making a decision today and tomorrow about one or the other. And, and really the furlough gives you more flexibility that that keeps them on really a temporary hiatus um, and, and it could be an unpaid status. They can apply for unemployment for sure, but they keep you um, more closely aligned with you as a company for when you might actually take that loan and bring them back. And they're in that furloughed status where you might um, decide that you are going to keep paying for benefits and and, um, and health insurance for them. Um, we're, we're seeing many clients making that decision for sure. Now, the difference on the layoffs where you're deciding, you know, I'm really not sure about the status of my business going forward. And I really want to move into really uh, terminating the, the formal employee and employer arrangement that I that I have. And by moving down the layoff path, that pretty much means as, as long as you have one employee left, usually yourself as the business owner, um, the rest of the employees could get health insurance via COBRA, or through your state small, you know, continuation program for small employers. So those are just, you know, kind of two at a high level differences between the two.
1: Yeah, we, we we've tackled that question a bunch, and I, I know um, just a, a plug for the for the coronavirus hub on our website. I know that's a that's a subject where there's been an awful lot of uh, of, of dialogue and questions and discussion. So I would just point folks there if you want to get some more uh, detailed explanation. So thanks for tackling that, Pete. So, just the last couple of questions um, that that we have coming up. So, we do have one regarding four hundred and one k matches and their consideration in the frigness. Anybody want to tackle that one? Whether or not four hundred and one k matches will be included?
4: Those are included in one of the four uh, buckets uh, as a payroll-related uh, expense. Yes. Yeah. Great. Yeah, as I, our I health think about any of the normal. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. In health insurance brands, there is some question about other other insurances, but there's a lot of, there's going to have to be some technical guidance on some of this stuff. And that's an area where it's not quite specific. It's been hinted at, it's been referred to, but it's not explicit um, for certain other types of insurances. So I would just consider now payroll related expenses in as a, as a fairly broad definition. And as long as it's benefiting the employee, I think that's the intent so far as we're reading it. Yeah. Um okay we, we we spent most of our time talking about smaller employers under 500 and this and this loan forgiveness program you know we talk so much about forgiveness here that i feel like i'm going back to my uh catholic confessions as a kid <laughs> growing up everybody wants to look at it, but, so i have a lot to atone for myself so anyway um uh, Pete, for for larger employers over five hundred, you want to um, kind of just just reiterate some of the stuff that we talked a little bit earlier about for for those that are larger employers. Sure, they
2: turn? sure. Um, and if, you know, some of my points are going to be things that Bill covered on one of his earlier slides. And uh, you know, first and foremost, I would suggest that you you go and look closely if you're um, one of those exception businesses um, and and in the hospitality and restaurant industry where you could actually even though you're more than 500 employees qualify for the SBA um, PPL the, the loan program that you go and look there there's in the um, code you can go into the SBA site and you'll see a section where you can look up uh, based on your industry code and pretty much much anything starting with 72 uh, um, would fall into this category. So there's, there's, um, I, I by all means suggest you go in and look in there because there's quite a number of exceptions for larger groups. Um, when Bill covered the slide um, about this um, mid-size employer loan program, uh, it, it, there's a there's a word in there that was stated that the treasury secretary endeavors to, you know, quote unquote endeavor. So some of what was outlined, like the 2% interest rate, you know, there were certain aspects of the loan that were spelled out, but the formality of this particular loan program has to be um, uh, spelled out by the treasury secretary. So um, I, I think as Bill said it a couple times here, there's probably a lot of, certainly a lot of questions that can't be answered because at the speed in which a bill like this got passed, there were things that, that didn't quite get addressed as sufficiently as they needed to be. But, you know, this this program is going to be open for Pro, uh, for profit companies and non-for profit, we keep seeing that question. For groups for 500 to 10,000 employees would fit into this category. And once again, a couple of the quick highlights: the 2% interest rate, the six-month deferral on principal and interest, and and it even says in there that that the Treasury Secretary could extend that six-month deferral even further. Um, just be mindful that there is some good faith certification and need, you know, for need and and, and limits around um, you're keeping 90% of your workforce, no offshoring of jobs for uh, the term of the loan and for two years following the repayment of the loan. So you'll have to look closely and there's going to be more information that we'll obviously furnish on this, but, but uh, stay tuned for what the uh, Secretary of the Treasury uh, Department does. Um, and then last point, Bill, that there's a lot of quite a number of tax oriented provisions in here, which we really weren't prepared to get into. We'll probably cover some of that on our Thursday call that could benefit smaller employers and larger employers over 500 employees. For instance, refund, uh, refundable credit on your payroll taxes. You know, that's one example um, of one of the provisions in here. So you'll get more details on that um, on Thursday. Great.
1: Thank you, Pete. That's great. Um, so just in, in, in the last couple, in the, in the last few um, minutes that we have, there's there's two more subjects that I wanted to introduce, and, I'm, and we're not going to be able to address them completely. Um, there is one really interesting one, which happens to do with those businesses that rely on foot traffic, right? So. If I'm a restaurant, a business, a, a physical therapy, people are walking in, I, I need people to come see me to survive as a business. And if I've already furloughed or laid off those people and they're on unemployment, they're getting, you know, really now even enhanced uh, unemployment benefits. What's better for me as a business owner? Should I, after I get these loan proceeds, should I hire them back or should I? Um, uh, or should I encourage them to stay out on, on uh, unemployment? These are, there's a lot of layers. This is a great example of a question that, that we can't answer in a question like this, but this is the reality of what happens in that eight week window. And how do I optimize my workforce for the benefit of my company? As we're coming out of this, how do I do what's best for my employees? There's so many layers to this that we really need to kind of keep this conversation going. And I think that's a, that's why we need to continue to have these, these conversations every. Tuesday and Thursday this week because there's so many there's so much information to be to be sifted through and so many decision points. I would just say this: um, if I think about if I'm a business owner today and I'm looking for the three things that I can do right now about these evaluating these loan programs, they, the the first thing I'm doing really is uh, I, I'm, com- I'm contact- contacting my banker yesterday or my 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 local SBA um, contact as soon as possible. We need to establish contacts and try to get to the front of the line as these applications are getting processed. I don't think this $350 billion is going to go near enough. I'm 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 certain we're going to be oversubscribed. So that's the first thing is to try to get the ball rolling on the application. The second thing is to really buckle down and make sure you're focused on what does your business need today from you? What are the decisions that I need to make? Forget about the loan. Focus on how do you run your business as effectively as possible over the coming weeks and into the month to six weeks? What are the things that I need to do to get myself in the best position possible to survive so that I can thrive when we come out of this? I would really spend a bulk of my time there. And then thirdly, I would start getting smart about running some scenarios about after I get the proceeds to the loan. how can I run my business differently? For example, If I have, if I have, if I can run at 70, if I can run my factory at 75% today, is there any way that I can deliver, that I can delay the delivery of certain things so that I can bring it down to 30 or 40% today to give me a longer runway into that eight week window and hopefully start to come out of it and ramping up so that, so looking at things like that, where are your customers' needs? What are your needs um, for your suppliers? How, what kind of condition is your supply chain in? to kind of do things like that. So really, really focusing on the performance of your business today and then getting starting to think about those scenarios about how you might want to model things differently during that eight week period. But I wouldn't get too obsessed quite yet with that eight week period because job one is to, is to make sure that you can get the loan and job two is to keep running your business as effectively as possible. So that's kind of how I think about it personally. Um, just in, in the last minute, um, I'd like to ask Pete if you could just um, because we've got so many more topics that we need to hit on. The, the one thing that I keep hearing about is: is there going to be another stimulus? And if you if you think about the work that you've been doing on the national level with our industry associations and and the like, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? What do you, what, what what do you think is a, the most likely scenario over the next couple months with re, with respect to an additional um, package of government relief?
2: Yeah, great, great question, Bill. And just um, really three points on on that question. Um, I think it's inevitable that there's going to be a forced stimulus bill. Um, In fact, I learned of something that just happened today, which I'll touch on at the end. But, you know, there's no doubt that that there's going to need more funding, like you said, to the programs that are in the CARES Act. There's going to need to be technical corrections to fix unintended um, consequences or unclear provisions. Um, The second area, which I think a lot of you on this phone have been probably wondering, how does your business interruption portion of your property insurance policy respond. And for the most part, there is no coverage according to, you know, the traditional policies. But that's a huge emerging issue, um, both in the state level as well as federally. You know, I've, I've seen that four states, California, New York, and New Jersey and Ohio, and I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, four more today have actually put legislation forward to force uh, the insurance industry to, to start paying something in and around business interruption. Um, so that, that leads to the the third and point that I saw today that, that, um, you know, there's really the associations of which many of you are part of your industry association, just like we are with the council of insurance agents and brokers and, and another Nehu another organization um, that there's, Unprecedented collaboration going on right now because they realize that a unified voice is going to be far more effective trying to get the the attention as opposed to a lot of one-offs, which is what usually happens in D.C. And I, today they just submitted a a request for what's called a business and employee continuity and recovery fund. So they've already put something in front of the White House, put something in front of the you know Capitol Hill to start addressing. More industries, more help, more support. So, you know, suffice it to say that maybe you feel as though you were left a little on the sidelines with this first CARES Act or, or the previous acts. But it seems like there's a lot of momentum to do something else coming down the path, uh, coming down the road here, Bill. Great,
1: thank you, Pete. You know, I, mean, I think if, if if those of us that are looking at this, we're looking at this out two, three, four months. It's going to be clear that it's going to take us a while to really get this this economy restarted, and because we just don't know the we just don't know the uh, the pace and direction of the human toll of this crisis. So it's um, it's scary times for sure for everybody. But I think. Just keeping a uh, a steady hand and and thinking about this week, uh, one week at a time for me is always um, kind of a really helpful way to kind of keep doing the things that we need to do to to keep our business functioning at the highest level. So... um, as we, as we get ready to wrap, I just wanted to give one little bit of a word of caution regarding the SBA. If anybody's been on their, their, uh, the SBA website, there are applications out there. There are all sorts of different funds, even related to the COVID crisis. They're already doing the, the, um, uh, the, the a number of programs that have already been published. Um, and so those applications are out there. Just remember, we're talking about the paycheck protection program, PPP. That's the forgivable loan one under the SBA. This isn't a regular SBA. It isn't any of the other emergency funds that have been created related to this crisis. PPP. That's where we want to, um, really pay most of our attention. And as soon as those applications become available, we will make sure that we put out some widespread communication so that you know that it's out there and actionable. So, as we wrap up today's session, I just wanted to thank all of our panelists for your time and attention, and of course, all of our attendees. Thank you for investing your time and uh, and energy with us. We know that this is these are stressful times, and we want whatever we can to help be a, a positive force in helping you navigate these these waters. So, thank you all for your time and attention, and we look forward to seeing you on Tuesday. I'm sorry, on Thursday at the same time, if you can join us for the next set of follow up uh, issues and questions. Thank you, everybody. Thank
0: you, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of One Digital's COVID-19 Employer Advisory Podcast. There's never been a time more than now during which our commitment to standing as one with our customers and providing peace of mind is more important. We are committed to providing the guidance you need to make complex decisions, even in the most challenging times. For additional resources, thought leadership, or for the latest employer information related to the COVID-19 pandemic, please visit onedigital.com forward slash coronavirus. Thank you.